Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 12 of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. This episode is for the week of July 13th, 2020. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing of Episcopal Retirement Services. And I'm here with Kristen Davenport, our Director of Communications for ERS and our Executive Producer. How are you today, Kristen? I am doing well, Brian. It's good to talk with you. Yeah, good to catch up. Good, good to be back together again this week. So the Linkage podcast is dedicated to educating our audiences about or our audience about the issues regarding aging, informing people about the mission of ERS, and how that comes to life in our everyday interactions with our residents, our clients, our families, and our staff members. So Kristen, uh, you want to get us started on what's coming up on today's show? Yeah, I think we have a great episode today. We've got three interviews. We've got Sharon Bedroa. She's a uh, resident at Canterbury Court up in West Carrollton, Ohio. And then we have an interview with Barbara Talbot, a resident at Dupree House. And of course, joining us again, our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, who will keep us in the loop on what's been happening all around ERS. Great. Well, thanks, Kristen. And and speaking of affordable living, our community up at Canterbury, it kind of reminded me that uh, I just want to remind our listeners that our uh, annual gala is coming up here on October 9th. Uh, This year, the gala is going virtual. The Together We Rise virtual gala. And uh, we're looking forward to celebrating the year with many of our, our donors and our residents. And this year's theme is really revolving around affordable living particularly talking about the uh, the Mance uh, Apartments, which is going to be a new community. It's currently being renovated in Walnut Hills. So a lot more to come on that. I just want to do a special thank you to our sponsors, uh, the Model Group, who have uh, been great partners of ERS over the years, particularly in renovating and building our affordable living communities and Ridgestone builders and contractors uh, who have also been great partners in helping us with our renovations and our master plans uh, at our continuing care retirement community. So I think we're going to have some, uh, a great event coming up, Kristen. These live virtual events are going to be the new normal for a while. And I'm uh, glad to know that um, our gala will be no different. It should be exciting. Yeah. And and there'll be some great entertainment uh, that night as well. So look into that on October 9th. So with that, do you want to introduce uh, your first interview? Yeah, absolutely. Brian, I I got to interview Sharon Bedroa. I met Sharon last fall when we were out at Canterbury Court in West Carrollton, uh, taking some photos of the beautiful garden that the residents have worked on so hard there so diligently. Uh, many years they've they've had a garden there and they grow a lot of things. Uh, when we were there, we were uh, seeing the pumpkins that they had grown and the turnips that they had grown that they share with the community. And uh, Sharon retired after a busy work life to Canterbury Court in 2011. And uh, her family is really important to her. She's got three kids and eight grandchildren and two great grandchildren. She loves baseball. And I had a really great uh, conversation with Sharon. So let's meet Sharon Bedroa. So welcome, Sharon. Hi, how are you today? I'm very good. Thanks for being with us. Uh, We're uh, checking in with residents and we're finding out what they're doing to 
to keep themselves occupied during this uh, time of COVID-19 when we're all staying distanced. And uh, I heard from the community manager at Canterbury Court, Jan Velkoff, that you were involved in the community garden there. And I just wanted to check in with you today and see how it's going up there. So please share with our listeners what's going on at the community garden at Canterbury Court. It's going very well. We had a late start with the plowing and stuff, all the rain, but my garden's doing really good. Yeah, it was a very rainy spring. I had so much water in my yard. There were some days my dogs didn't want to even go out there. (laughs) I'm sure you guys experienced (laughs) that too. So tell us a little bit about what you're planting this year. I didn't plant as much this year as I usually do because I hurt my knee and my kids are having to do most of the work. They don't do it up to the way I want it done. So we've got tomatoes and green peppers and cucumbers and zucchini. And I think she planted some collard greens. Wow. That's quite a bit. If that's not uh, up to your normal amount, that's still pretty impressive and way more than I have planted in my garden. So. (laughs) Good, good job on all that. <laughs> so, um, well, usually we have watermelon, and we don't have watermelon this year. So. Oh, okay. I've never had any success growing those. I have a very small garden. Uh, my kids were in 4-H, and a few times they've tried growing different vegetables. Uh, it always seemed like green peppers were one of the ones you could count on. Yeah. Right. And hopefully my tomatoes. I need tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. When I was up visiting uh, Canterbury Court last fall, when you guys were finishing up the, the gardening, there were a lot of turnips. And there were um, you had just finished harvesting all the pumpkins. Um, will there be any of that this year? Potatoes this year. Oh, potatoes. Wonderful. And I know, yeah. you know the residents at Canterbury Court, I know they've been really generous with the community. And they've shared their... Uh, their surplus when they've got an abundance of something, which is a great way for you all to give back in the community. Yeah, yeah. And it's fun. Get you out in the sun. Get a tan that way. Yeah. <laughs> so have you been a lifelong gardener or is this something new that you've taken up in retirement? Well, I, I don't know if I took it up or it took me up. I'm not sure. <laughs> I had a friend that lived here and she had a garden. And she became sick and got to where she couldn't do it. She got cancer. So I would help her, and then she passed away. So I inherited her garden, and that's how I got started, and it was fun. So that's interesting. So it's something new that you really did uh, get uh, interested in once you had already been retired. Um, So have you always lived in um, the Dayton, Ohio area? Yes, I grew up in Centerville. Wonderful. And uh, and how long have you lived there at Canterbury? Nine years. Wow. Quite a while. That's, you know, Canterbury Court was the first affordable living community that uh, ERS had in, as part of its uh, system of communities. And uh, it's one that uh, is a favorite of ours. Uh, you guys have a beautiful greenhouse there and quite a bit of land around the community and and it is really an opportunity for the residents to garden and, and I'm glad you're taking advantage of that. Yeah, it seems to be quite a few more gardens out there this year than what we've had. 
Well, everybody has a little Lately. more time on their hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when you're not gardening, what else do you like to do, Sharon? Tell us a little bit more about what you're uh, spending your time on these days. Well, most of the summer, I spent my time going to my grandkids' ball games, but somewhere along the line, they grew up. Oh. So I have two great-grandsons who play ball, but I'm not ready for that t-ball stuff. That's yeah. nerve-wracking and long. So baseball <laughs> is your sport. Well, that's wonderful. Are you a Cincinnati yeah. Reds fan? Uh, no, I really don't watch it on TV or anything year is not the greatest year for sports fans it's it's tough going no. all around yes i've heard that from my son <laughs> he doesn't know what to do with himself no ball games well i really hope that uh your garden grows well this year hopefully we'll get a little bit more rain we had so much rain in the spring but now my yard is very dry i'm sure yours probably is too <laughs> we need kind of a balance of the the sun and the rain to keep those uh vegetables producing and my kids, it must have been watering a lot because it, it's looking good. I oh, was surprised. Well, I'm glad yeah. you're getting out and staying healthy and uh, getting some sunshine because those are all wonderful things for us. Sharon, it was so nice to meet you today. I'm so glad we got to chat a little bit. I hope uh, everything turns out well with your garden and you've got a lot to share with your neighbors. It sounds like you will. Yeah. Well, that was such a, a good interview, Kristen, with uh, Sharon Bedroya. I really enjoyed hearing about her love of gardening, and, and they do some great work up there. And I think baseball will be here before you know it, hopefully, uh, maybe in a different fashion. But uh, as a, a fan myself, hopefully we get to watch some on TV here. Hopefully uh, Sharon will get to enjoy that. And, uh, you know, she's definitely got that green thumb going up there at Canterbury Court. So it was good to touch base with her and hear how she's doing. And I guess next up, we've got our interview with President and CEO, Laura Lamb. So we're back uh, again this week with President and CEO, Laura Lamb. Hi, Laura. How are you? I'm well. How about you, Brian? Doing really good. Thanks so much. Pleasure to be back and talk about some of the things that have happened over the week. And you know, I know we've been talking about COVID a lot over the last couple of weeks, but there's been a really important initiative. We talked about this maybe about a month ago, a really exciting initiative in the organization called We Can Do Better, which really relates to the discussion on racial disparities and uh, injustices. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what we're doing as a company to really keep the conversations moving. Oh, I'd love to. Thanks for asking. So as you said, we, we Can Do Better is what we're calling um, our initiative to just really make sure that we're continuing the dialogue about injustice and, and racism in our society and taking a look at, you know, all of our lives individually and collectively, whether that be personal or within the context of our work with ERS and and then the broader community to say, you know, what, what can we do? How can we be better to be additive and supportive of what we think is uh, a needed change in, in, our, in our cities and in our, in our country uh, related to race and, and, and injustice? So we have been meeting with the staff um, 
based on their interest and frankly, their, their desire to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had uh, all company invited staff meetings um, over the last, it's been six weeks now, um, actually eight weeks if you count our original uh, dialogue. So right. we hold them via Zoom. All staff are welcome to attend. Uh, we have huge attendance numbers. It's just, yeah. and it really speaks to the fact that people want to have this dialogue. They want to, they want to talk. They want to be educated. They yeah. want to educate. So you know, listen, um, educate are kind of the two kind of goals um, in our um, in our meetings, and the outcome hopefully is a changed perspective, is a changed awareness. So um, we, we really have um, listened to our staff. So uh, the, the meetings are a combination of panelists where folks um, that have a different perspective are asked questions and then mm-hmm. um, our staff can ask them questions as well. Uh, we've watched a variety of, of videos together on, on Zoom and then unpack them. So. For example, we've um, watched um, Difficult Conversations with a Black Man, an episode of that. We talked about microaggressions and what is that. We've Mm -hmm. talked about white privilege um, and what is that and who has it and, you know, what does it mean and how does it shape our view of the world and our opportunities uh, that we have. Uh, And then we talked about Black Lives Matters and why that that is the phrase that we're using. It's not it's not all lives matters. It's definitely at this moment, at this time, we have to create an environment in our country where Black lives matters, and that's really the focus. Yeah. Well, and that's been I think so educational and helpful. You mentioned these learning sessions on like microaggressions and and white privilege and other topics, and they really do help arm you with some good information uh, to use in your personal life and also to have great dialogue with others. So I really appreciated that. But on top of that, you know, you, I think at the top, you mentioned those, those perspectives and interviews. And I, I feel like that's really resonated with staff to hear the stories and experiences of some of our staff, whether they're black or in biracial families as well. So I, I've appreciated that. You know, I have two, and I, I just think that it, it really, to me, what it says is to really, to seek to understand, you really do, do need to be two things. Hear stories. I think the stories of hearing a story from someone that you work alongside of yeah. and, and respect and trust and hear that their life is different than yours. And, and that so that's the first thing, stories, but then specific. You yeah. know, we talked about that, didn't we, after one of our meetings. It's like the more specific we can be with one another and give examples of, you know, how, how microaggressions, what microaggressions we've dealt with and, oh, um, what the impact of that is. I feel like that's how we're going to um, change yeah. uh, because it's really hard to – if you, if you have a coworker or a friend or a family member that leans in and gives you specific stories of their different reality, 
Mm -hmm. I think it's just very eye-opening. At least that's the feedback that we've received from the staff is that the, the panel and the stories and the being very specific is really what's helping people kind yeah. of think about things differently, right? Maybe yep. within their perspective. Right. No, I think it's a, a great gift. I know that's, you know, having gone to a school that was very diverse in race and culture and socioeconomic backgrounds, having that gift was very important to me growing up. And it's so nice that we can do that within our company. So I really appreciate that. I just wanted to highlight that something you said yesterday is just your commitment to, to having this dialogue on an ongoing basis. I think you mentioned something about a, we'll do this for a year or two or however long it takes, but you're very committed to this. Oh, absolutely. I, I feel like anything that hurts Mm -hmm. our staff and our residents, that is work that ERS has to prioritize. And clearly, uh, we have staff and residents that are hurt by this issue. So it, it has to come to the forefront um, of our work. And I'm just so pleased that we have a, a leadership team, a staff group, and a board that understands that if it, if it hurts those that we work with and those that we serve, it has to be a paramount. Go back, the feedback that I know you've gotten from staff has been so meaningful. Oh, definitely. I mean, we've had staff members that have said that, you know, they're maybe in their 50s or 60s, that they've never been in an organization that has had such a honest and authentic conversation about race. Yeah. That that is wonderful. And it's kudos to everyone involved, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, the servant leadership team can create the platform, but if that's not, if that's not received by everyone, then we stay, we stay in the same place. Right. But, and, and the staff's feeling open and comfortable in a safe space to have this dialogue. Yeah. It's been great. I've learned so much and yeah. And I know others have too. So I, I want to continue just so I can uh, learn and grow. Well, thank you so much for sharing and, and, and again, leading those efforts. So I wanted to move on to another topic. And, you know, we've been talking COVID, COVID, COVID for the last four months. Um, What's that, Brian? I've never heard <laughs> <of it>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, uh, but, you know, as much as we've put in, time and effort and resources behind that, there's a lot, some good news in that the organization has also been doing a lot of things really to drive towards the future and our strategies and some of our efforts. And I thought maybe we could take a little time today. Um, we've had some exciting openings and, you know, or movement to open new communities. I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit today. Yeah, actually, it's it's fun. There's so much going on at ERS, and it is COVID, COVID, COVID. But I think I wrote in an email to, I forget who, if it was the staff or the board, um, and basically said there is so much good going on, um, non-COVID related, right? There's good right. work with COVID. But. So a couple things I'd like to share today is, you know, one, one thing is, even amidst COVID, um, I just want to give a shout out to our affordable living team. Mm -hmm. You know, despite working differently, despite, you know, having all kinds of social distancing requirements that really make closing and that legal process of closing a yeah. property in a deal 
a development deal, you know, it's difficult to begin with. And then you add all this. Yeah. They rose to the occasion and they got her done this week. So um, Rachel um, Court, which is a community in New Carlisle, uh, Ohio, was closed this week. And the minute that was closed, they had to pivot and start working on the next one. But they're doing it and we're learning and we're doing it different. And each and every time we do it, we're, we're finding efficiencies and ways to kind of reinvent how we do things um, based on COVID. So that's exciting. The other thing, and you were involved in this, um, or are involved in this, and that is our middle market strategy. So yeah. um, we have a partnership, a formal partnership with Ridgestone uh, Builders and McCarthy Builders in Perrysburg, which is our first pilot for middle market. And if you haven't heard me talk about that, middle market is, um, I think, one of the greatest needs in our country. You know, mm -hmm. we have retirement communities for those that can afford them that yeah. are typically more affluent people that have, you know, uh, assets that can support an entrance fee or right. you. And then unfortunately we have what I was just talking about our affordable living folks that don't have those assets to afford a retirement community. But having said that, there's this whole segment, a very large segment that we we say that are stuck in the middle that mm -hmm. they have too just enough just too many assets not to qualify for affordable living, right. but not enough assets to qualify for um, our retirement community. So they're stuck in the middle, and we are an organization that's really trying to find a out of the box solution for them. And I'm very pleased to say that that is on our strategy. We have been working on this for a couple of years now. We've already broken ground um, at River's Edge in Perrysburg. And you had the great fortune of being up uh, just this past weekend in Perrysburg for our, one of our open houses. And um, why don't you tell us how excited you were? No, it's <laughs> the it, tables it, on you, Brian. I'm going to interview you. <laughs> well, it was great. You know, what's exciting is the op the opening phase is, is opening up. We have a model up there, the first unit, uh, their, their villa patio homes, those are opening up and we've got some people moving in and it seems like a lot of excitement building up in that Perrysburg community outside of Toledo. And it's just a really nice product with very nice amenities, a great layout. You know, there's no steps throughout these patio homes. Um, and, and just a, a very nice community with a clubhouse. So they're, you know, when they can do gatherings, there, there will be that fitness area, pool. Um, it's just a beautiful neighborhood for, to your point, those people in the middle that have a little bit too much for, that can't afford affordable living, but couldn't, don't have enough assets to move into a retirement community. And of course, then those services that they may need as they age to help them age in place when they need it. Uh, will be really, I think, different as well. So really excited about, about that project. Thanks for asking. You know, really what we've learned is that it has to be rental. It has to be at a price point that they can afford each month. Yep. And yes, and we have to figure out a way not to have lots of overhead to provide the services, but provide the services as a, as a a la carte or at a basis. So I'm excited. We're learning a lot um, about the middle market and 
uh, again, just feel very fortunate that we have had this opportunity to kind of pilot it, learn and see, uh, take those learnings so that we can do it in other areas across the state. Yeah, that, I think that's what's so exciting is to learn from this, this first effort. Thank you so much, Laura, for joining us again this week. It's certainly uh, very informational and, and always inspiring to, from you. And, and uh, we'll look forward to touching base next week. Great. Looking forward to it, Brian. You have a nice weekend. Yeah, you too. Brian, it was once again so good to hear from Laura this week and to hear her talk about what we're doing with our We Can Do Better efforts uh, as a company. I think it's such a wonderful uh, initiative and program that we are talking with our staff members and listening to their experiences and also educating ourselves. And I think, you know, again, Laura is so dedicated to this initiative. So we're looking forward to hosting these for some time until we can help make some real progress in our communities and uh, that we live within and within ERS as well. So. Well, it aligns with our core values and uh, inspiring to me personally that we're taking this on and, and not just thinking that we do enough so we can do better. Absolutely. Well, with that said, I'm going to introduce our next guest. Our next guest is Barbara Talbot of Dupree House here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And I had a really great time sitting down with her, hearing how she's doing, uh, what she's been up to, and what she's looking forward to doing in the future when all this is over. So here's my interview with Barbara. So I'm here this week with one of our residents from Dupree House. Uh, With me is uh, Barbara Talbot. Barbara has uh, been a resident at Dupree House for about the last seven years. And and Barbara has been very active in participating in the community. You said you're the president of the resident council right now. Is that correct, Barbara? Yes. Okay. And also she's been a resident representative for the ERS board. So welcome today, Barbara. Thank you. I'd just like to kind of do a check-in with our residents during this time of COVID-19 and just ask, how are you doing? I am doing just great with a little help from some new friends that I didn't know I had. I'm one of those people whose day starts with the most important activity of opening the front door and picking up the newspaper, the morning (laughs) newspaper. If it is not there, my entire day is ruined. My entire day is upside down. I don't know what to do with myself. That having that morning newspaper waiting for me makes all the difference in my life. Since the pandemic, of course, the newspaper carrier has not been able to get into our building. Uh But I found out that the night security guards have been delivering our newspapers. Uh And I get two newspapers by subscription. Uh, One I get seven days a week and one I get five days a week. And I would like to tell everybody that the proper configuration of newspapers has been at my front door without fail every single morning since we were shut down by the pandemic. And I think that's the most remarkable service. 
and it makes me just very, very happy. And I am uh, in the process of trying to get the names of those wonderful night guards who are giving us such good service with our newspaper delivery to get us all off to a good start. That's great. Well, I can definitely identify um, as I'm a person that needs routine in my life to be able to have those things are very comforting. So I'm glad, glad the staff's able to pitch in and and make sure that uh, you're getting your, your day off to the right, right start. So so what what kind of things have you been doing to stay active and engaged while really social distancing since all this began, Barbara? Well, you mentioned that I'm the chairman of the resident council of Dupree House. Mm-hmm. And I was really looking forward to this year. We had a wonderful meeting in January and yep. February. And at our meetings, we have the entire resident body almost filling up our great big event center. Uh And when the pandemic struck, of course, we could no longer gather. Right. And that put an end to our meetings from uh, March until the present time. So I have decided that we it's really important for us to have our meetings and that I would do them, but I would do them on paper. Uh-huh. And I call them the meeting by memo. Oh. So uh, I've been getting those out. They uh, run the format of our traditional meetings. Uh-huh. They have a lot of information from me about what's going on at Dupree House and they have the committee reports. Our committees have been very busy carrying on, doing all the good work that they normally do. Uh-huh. And um, just as much information about what's going on and the new tasks that some of our staff people have been assigned right. in addition to their conventional tasks. So uh, I have plenty to keep me busy. Wow, that sounds like a lot and a lot of great communication during this time. That's wonderful. I would like to mention that one of the things that has really bothered us since we've had to shut down was the inability to use our wonderful fitness center, the pool, the gym. Right. And that's been awfully, awfully hard on people. Yeah. And... It reached the point where recently uh, we were threatening that if the pool didn't open soon, we were all going to put on bikinis and speedos and stage a mass demonstration on <laughs> the Erie Avenue. <laughs> That's and great. Fortunately, we didn't have to do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the management got word of that or not, but they did open the pool and the gym. Right. Uh, on a very limited right. basis, yeah, uh, with restrictions, of course, but we yeah. are all just very, very happy that we do have those two outlets again. Yeah, that was wonderful. I know when we had to close those <laughs> down, you know, when we were talking yeah. about the city, that was that was something we we really struggled with too. And I you know, know. it's so important to keep that physical activity going during these stressful times. So I'm glad that was yeah, a workout. So important for mental health and physical well-being. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of mental health and physical well-being, are, are, are there any things from your past situations of uh, maybe dealing with a crisis or any life experiences that have helped you kind of cope with this current pandemic? Brian, when I was a very small child, I remember being very moved by hearing a saying that is familiar to everybody, I think, Mm -hmm. that says, I cried because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. Mm. That made an enormous impression on me. And it has always helped me to keep everything in perspective. So uh, I've not had a problem doing that. Yeah. And I just uh, have fortunate that I'm able to cope very well and appreciate all the wonderful things that management is doing to try to make our lives as nice as possible. The fact that we get a warm dinner served to our front door every single day mm-hmm. uh all the things that they're trying to do, all the little extras to make our lives interesting and um, and keep us involved. So there's very much to appreciate, and there is no need to uh, feel too sorry for ourselves, although we do sometimes. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard. It's, you know, I've, I've talked yeah. to Laura Lamb and as we've talked with staff and even residents at times, we realize this is a marathon, not necessarily a sprint, and that we're all in this together. Yeah, I, I think certainly your generation certainly knows a thing or two about um, sacrifice and commitment. And uh, so I, I always love hearing our, our responses from our residents on that question. So thank, uh-huh. you. thank you for sharing that. One last question, you know, with the end in mind, what is the one thing you're looking forward to most when this is always all over? I think what I'm looking for the most is to live my life in a normal fashion without having to be monitored and supervised. Mm -hmm. And Believe me, I understand, as do all of the residents at Dupree House and Marjorie P. Lee and uh, Episcopal Church Home, that there have to be a lot of rules because we know that management is working so hard to protect us from the virus. Mm -hmm. We do understand that. We do appreciate it. But we all are very eager to reach the point where we are treated more like intelligent, responsible adults who can make good decisions uh, and don't have to be monitored and supervised. Sure. But sure. we are grateful. We know it's it's just as hard on management as it is on the residents. It's probably harder on management. So uh, I do want to take this opportunity to let them know we're grateful for what they're doing, even though we may uh, moan and fuss and complain from time to time. Yeah. Well, I think there's so many people that are 
just in general in our in our society ready for the the close of all the restrictions and it, it does yeah. get the longer it goes the harder it does get so we certainly right. understand and appreciate that well barbara thank you so much for joining us uh, on our podcast and uh, it was so nice to catch up with you and i it's been a while since we've seen each other so i'll be really looking forward to, to seeing you and catching up again here soon oh thank you thank you brian thank you for inviting me to do this podcast my pleasure Brian, it was a good interview there with Barbara Talbot. The pre-house is certainly still uh, humming along, and uh, they're using memos instead of in-person meetings, but uh, Barbara's still uh, offering her leadership there. She's been a board member, and uh, it was great to hear that she's still keeping things organized and moving in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's absolutely staying engaged and as busy as ever, uh, according to her, from that interview. And you know, we did talk and it's it, interesting. It, it is, I think, a tough time on some of our residents during COVID, which is one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast uh, with some of the rules and regulations. But they're also so grateful to you know, have the support of our staff and our management and our staff and management. They're just doing such a great job and, and the residents do a great job of supporting each other. So I really applaud her leadership during this time. Again, just great to catch up with her. So with that, I think we'll wrap up our show, Kristen. Thank you so much for joining us for this latest episode of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, you can visit our website at episcopalretirement.com. We have a lot of great content, including our Linkage online blog, resources that you can download to learn more about aging and the services we offer and so much more. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube to see what's going on with NERS and within our communities. If you have any questions or feedback from us, and we'd love getting feedback, please email us at info at erslife.org. The Linkage Podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and Brian Reynolds. Fiasha Davis is our associate producer, and our technical director is Michelle Hain. I'd like to thank our guests today, including Sharon Bedroya and Barbara Talbot. And of course, as always, getting updates from our president and CEO, Laura Lamb. So on behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to our podcast next week. Thanks so much, Kristen. You bet. I'll talk to you again soon. Have a great week.